1: Welcome into the QB SCO show. This is episode 15 brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my work at bleedinggreennation.com. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist, NFL, that's K-I-S-T. Here to break down with me the quarterbacks in this 2019 quarterback class for the NFL draft is quarterback one in my heart, Mark Schofield. Follow him at Mark Schofield. Mark, how you doing, brother?
0: Mr. Kist, always a pleasure to be with you and I'm glad that you drew that out with that last little pause because I was legitimately yawning (laughs) and I was afraid you were going to like come to me and I was going to be like mid-yawn and I was going to be this awkward pause and you'd have to edit out. We're starting out hot. Scorching today, my friend. And speaking of scorching, speaking of warming up, we are going to talk about the Combine. And in a sense, the combine is the time of perhaps what we could call false hope, right? Mm. You know, you see these guys test, you see them measure in, you start talking yourself into a, a wide receiver that runs a four two four. And even though his market share wasn't great and he never caught a pass <laughs> or anything like that, you know, you think, look, we can make this work, right? And and so I think it's important to set the framework today by talking about the year of the false spring. And this was back years ago in the year 281, winter had held the land in its icy grip for almost two years, but the snows were melting, the woods were greening, the days were growing longer, and there were many who believed that the end of winter was high. And so they decided in the realm to have a tournament. And of course, at that tournament, a fateful event took place where a young handsome prince dropped some blue roses in the lap of a young woman who was not of his house And of course, I am now referred to the moment where Prince Rhaegar Targaryen dropped some blue roses into the lap of Lyanna Stark. And that set into motion everything that happened before season one, book one, whatever you want to call it. And yes, I'm talking about Game of Thrones because you and I have both begun our rewatch. Our rewatch has begun. This is literally, listen, if you are listening to the show and you are a Game of Thrones absolute nerd, like- perhaps your two hosts i cannot recommend enough the world of ice and fire the untold history of westeros and the game of thrones which is done by george r, r. martin and two i kid you not bloggers hmm. who started westeros.org the the two of them coupled with george r r wrote this doing the count of the pages here. It's like a 320-page book that is basically it, – it's written like something that one of the Grandmeisters would have written about everything in the world of Westeros before the book started.
1: It's like a coffee table book. It's its massive. Yeah. It's,
0: it's legitimately a coffee table book. It is on – in my little playroom slash my man corner. I don't even get a man cave. I get a man corner, like the corner of the playroom with the Xbox set up and I have a little like circular kind of coffee table. It has this book and it has like the 800 page, like guide to play in Skyrim on it. Like that's how big of a dorklet I legitimately (laughs) am. It's like you come to the show for expecting athletic takes about quarterbacks. And then I like go home at night and like, read from this book and like get walked through how to make different kinds of armor in Skyrim. That's incredible. Year are the False Spring. I mean what was it
1: Rickard and uh, Rickard Stark and who else got executed? I mean pretty much thing, Because Aeris the Mad King. I mean yeah, yeah I mean
0: <laughs> he just laid waste to everybody because you know and what were his last words burn them all burn them all burn them all as the Kinslayer drew his sword. and We, we could talk about Game of
1: Thrones for literally this whole episode. We could please talk
0: about time. Game of Thrones instead of Kyler Murray's height and Daniel Jones's hand size which I know we have to talk Talk about because we're going to read it in the coming days Daniel Jones being comp to the mountain and I'm going to literally throw myself off the red keep the first note that I have is in fact about Kyler Murray and we do have to
1: talk about it unfortunately the internet's freaking out big news of the day here with the NFL combine it's on the tip of everyone's tongue was the matchup the battle between a tape measurer and scale versus Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray here are his long-awaited official measurements. He is 5'10 and 1 eighths. He is 207 pounds and his hand size is nine and a half inches, which is really good. I never really saw the hand size as a concern on tape. He does a lot of pumping and always handled the rock pretty well, so it was never a big concern for me, but it's good to see regardless. Uh, Mark, People got weirdly excited over this, which in a way I understand because some people thought he was like 5'8 or some nonsense. Uh, As you can remember, people were constantly trying to figure out his height based on pictures of him standing next to people. Height angle Twitter is some of my favorite Twitter. It's amazing. Like just wait for the freaking combine. It's fine. Uh, Also, 207 pounds is an obvious bulk up. Uh, he, he's not running so he can bulk up without crushing his 40 time I doubt he plays at that weight he's probably going to be playing around somewhere between 190 pounds and 200 pounds he's still a tiny quarterback I'm not sure how much that matters since small quarterbacks have never really been given a chance and the sample size consists of literally Russell Wilson and that's it but Mark do you have any takeaways from the bombastic weigh-in? Of Kyler Murray.
0: I think there are a couple of things we can look at. One, let's look at the the 207, right? And that tells us that, look, if he's given a task of hitting a goal weight, he's going to do it, right? You know, we saw him yeah. walking down the hallway in Indianapolis, chugging water, making sure he gets that last little bit of water weight before stepping on the scale. Like, okay, <laughs> so he can check that box. It's like the bench. I don't care what guys are going to bench here, but. I want you to at least – what it shows me is you're going to be able to prepare for the test, right? And so like our good friend, yeah. Owen Reese, he just threw up 30 reps at 225. Puts puts that on, on the gram yesterday. I was pretty impressed by that. And it shows me that you can take the thing seriously. Yeah. So it's good in that sense that he sort of checked that kind of box. The height thing, I think it is great in the sense that there were probably going to be some general managers that I I know it sounds silly, but five nine and seven eighths versus five ten and one eighth was going to be a world of difference. It's like, you know, when you're buying gas and that extra like 99.99, whatever, it sometimes does something to you mentally. And so you just seem more comfortable going across the street and spending that extra 99 tenths of a cent when you're driving across the street to pay that 99 tenths of a cent less. Because we're, Crazy people. We're humans. We're flawed. But if this measurement wildly changes your evaluation of him, you've got to rethink your evaluation process. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah, I think for most people, Kyler Murray was quarterback one or quarterback two before he stepped mm. on the scale. For most reasonable people, that's where he was. If he was like QB4 for you, now you see him coming an extra half an inch taller. Now you're like saying he's gonna get drafted first overall. As I've seen some takes unfold on the timeline as we're talking to that extent, you need yeah. to rethink things. Okay. If Kyler Murray was gonna be drafted first overall. You should have felt that way about him two weeks ago, three weeks ago, five weeks ago, not cared about where he was going to measure in at. Because if he had the ability to be valued that highly in the draft, he had that on film. I mean, how often did you see passes get batted down? How often do you see his height impact his performance? There are times when he gets quick interior pressure where the release point gets a bit walking. Derek Clossett over at Football Outsiders just did a great piece highlighting that little aspect to it. And it's a good one. But- it's just a part of it. And interior pressure hurts all quarterbacks. Right, It is overreaction season. It truly is. And we're seeing that right now with him. We saw it yesterday with Jonah Williams. He comes in at, what was it, 33 and 5 eighths inch arms, and now suddenly he's a left guard. What? The guy started 43 <laughs> right. state games yeah. playing tackle for Alabama. <laughs> pretty good conference, pretty good school, pretty good yeah. you know competition. And now because he doesn't hit some threshold, yeah. even though he's still above What's average for, for tackles in the NFL, now we're going to kick them inside? I mean, we're in overreaction season. It's the year of the false spring, the year of the false hope. You shouldn't reevaluate things dramatically just based on a measurement here. You can certainly use it to refine. And if you see something on hand size, for example, like say Murray had come in and it's – I love the way you framed it because you said you never saw anything on tape of them in terms of hand size. So we didn't have any questions. And say he had come in at like, strangely enough, seven and a half inch hands like me. Then you'd say, okay, well, you'd go back to the tape and double check it. That's what you should do. If you get something that seems wildly out of step, like Drew Locke comes in at nine inch hands and people are saying that's going to be an issue. And I instantly pointed out, look, his last game, his last regular season game, the day after Thanksgiving against Arkansas, it was cold, it was wet, it was rainy, it was sleeting, still threw the rock pretty well. And so if you, look, you hear that number, you go back, you look at weather games and things like that and you see if it matters.
1: Yeah. And that's one of the processes I wanted to ask you about. Like if a guy comes in with small hands, that's something that you have to check. That's when it's impacted. It's with weather. So if you have bigger hands, you're not really concerned about that. But if you have small hands and then you have bad tape and bad weather conditions, then you start to worry a little bit. I think you would put on the timeline that you have small hands and that when you got into bad weather games, you were basically shot putting the ball then that becomes a big red flag. But if you go back and look at the tape, and like you said with Drew Locke, and everything is perfectly fine with the tape, and you don't see any concerns with his hand size impacting anything. I mean, we did this thing with Teddy Bridgewater years ago. Yeah. Like we, we, We've been through this before, but it seems like every time the combine comes up, all of it suddenly matters again, and we have never learned any of the lessons of the past. No, because we're, we're dumb animals, and we never learn anything. What's so weird is, and your point too about Kyler Murray, it's so weird because I see those takes too. Like all of a sudden now, Kyler Murray is a top five lock for everyone, when some of the people weren't hyping him up whatsoever, but he comes in just slightly over 5'10 and everyone was losing their minds, and he comes in in a weight that he's not going to play at. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, definitely. This, this is great. He's still a tiny, tiny quarterback. Like, he's still going to be the smallest quarterback in the NFL, which is weird. If you're okay with it, I mean, I'm okay with it. I'm willing to take the ride, buy the ticket, and see what that's like. But uh, I mean, the weirdest part of the day that people aren't really talking about was the revelation that he would not be throwing at the combine. But, but and this is so weird. He may, if he sees dudes out there slinging it and his inner competitiveness activates and he decides to go be a competitor or whatever. Look, he does not need to throw against air at the combine. Will people overreact to his pro day throwing against air? Absolutely. The more important part of the process for Kyler will be the interview process. And the signs are there that it may not be his strong suit, considering the way that his agent, a.k.a. his dad, has handled things in the process to this point. With their biggest win being that they fed him two loaves of bread for a a day for two months, do you have any concerns with Kyler when it comes to that interview process? Because it's that hidden part that we're not seeing, and it's way more important than him having
0: an extra half an inch on his hands or on his height. Yeah, I mean I think that's the moment for him now that he's gotten off the scale that matters most now. And it's interesting, you know, this idea that, you know, he's not gonna throw unless he feels like his inner competitor wants him to throw. That's one of those trying to split the baby too cute by half type of situations. Because just say you're not gonna throw. It's totally fine. (laughs) What is the blowback that comes when a quarterback says he's not gonna throw? Oh, he doesn't want to compete. So you can't then sort of like you know structure your response to that by saying, "Look, he's still a competitor, so don't worry, yeah. L- like don't have this fear that he doesn't want to compete because of his inner competitor, that inner fire makes him want to like you know mount the shield and you pick up the sword and throw. Like, come on, he's not going to charge the field in Indy
1: while guys are yeah. I mean, out what do you expect? He's going like- to
0: come out of nowhere and like start roundhouse and <laughs> guys or something? Like, come on." <laughs> Like if you don't want him to throw, if you wanted to throw it, it's control. Just say that. And of mm. course, there will be some that will say, "Oh well, they'll they'll, they'll buy in on this." And they'll say, "Oh well, you know." Mm. And I mean, what again? What's he gonna do? Like hit somebody with a chair? Go WWE <laughs> style on us? I mean, no. And, and so, yeah. what matters is the interview room because he's gonna have to sit down across from Tom Coughlin. This is a good way to sort of test this entire process. Well, what is he gonna say to Gettleman? What is he going to say to Coughlin? Because these are sort of some of the old school mentality type figures that are still making decisions in the National Football League. So when he sits down in that you know hotel suite and he's got the cameras rolling because they video all these things now and you've got the coaches and everybody there. And one of those guys looks you in the eye and says, how can I trust you? What is he going to say to that? And, you know, it isn't like we're worried about you off the field. It's are you going to just go play baseball? Are are you really full 100% in on this? Because, you know, you went into the draft. You said you were going to play baseball. Now you've backed out of that. Who's to say you won't do that to us? You know, you didn't compete. You didn't throw, like, all that (laughs) stuff. Like, he's going to have to answer those questions the right way. And we haven't even got into the fact that then Pat Schumer is going to get up and say, diagram for me, you know. F fly to sprint right, yeah, you know, double choice ninja 3 scat. And he's going to be like, right. is that a mesh concept? No. Oh. <laughs> like like that's the other thing he's going to have to do. And So the meeting rooms are now huge for him. And of course, I'm saying that after saying for like th- 3 weeks now the most important place in Indy for him was the the scale, but you know, we can all change our takes from time to time. He, he checked the box. So we're done yeah, with he that. he checked that yeah. box. So now we can move on
1: and overreact about the next thing. Correct. And unfortunately, we can't overreact about the interviews. I'm sure there will be pr- plenty of leaks about how he performed in the interviews. And there will be concerns and there will be guys that say that he crushed it. And everybody's got a motive in this thing, Mark.
0: It's always a good time to bring up the greatest red flag of all time when it comes to <laughs> quarterbacks. And that was Marcus Mariota, who had no red flags, which was a red flag. Right, (laughs) One of the silliest things I've ever heard in this entire process, in this industry, which is filled with silliness. Like, let's face it. We're talking about the Underwear Olympics right now. But a guy that had no red flags, man, that was a huge red flag for him. Yeah, because he was – It's like, we want you to be flawed, but not too flawed. You've got to be tastefully flawed.
1: Yeah, unless you're just mentally unstable at the quarterback position, which, I mean, a lot of times is a good thing. You kind of have to be. Right, exactly. I mean, but Mariota was like a a, a cra- like a really quiet guy, and everybody wanted like that edge from him, and they somehow turned that into a negative. Like, you can be a quiet leader. There are different types of leaders in this world.
0: It's usually the, 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 the silent, quiet ones that are the true sociopaths. I mean, come on. Let's be <laughs> honest. Yeah. That get things done. Yeah, right. <laughs> we get it done. Sociopaths, we yeah. get it
1: done. Exact. Boom. There's there's this there's the tagline tagline for, for this show. So, OK, let's let's talk about some guys here. Maybe we'll bring up uh, hand size and transition into something here for Daniel Jones from from Duke. Guy measures in at 6'5", 221, nine and three-fourths hands. So is Giants general manager Dave Gettleman just dripping over Jones's meaty hooks and something to go along with that too. Is the 40 something that matters for some quarterbacks and then doesn't for others? For instance... Last year, Josh Allen from Wyoming, who was known as a bit of an athlete with the ability to tuck and run and be a weapon that way, he ran 4.75, which is solid for a quarterback. Daniel Jones has 406 rushing attempts in the last three years. 17 touchdowns is there a benchmark for him to hit or you ditch or do you just say yeah he looks pretty athletic on film that's enough I don't care if he runs five flat because these
0: quarterbacks aren't really training for the 40 anyway yeah I'm more in the latter category like I I don't get overworked about a quarterback's 40-yard time I mean the most interesting 40-yard time out of all these quarterbacks might be Nick Fitzgerald because he might not be playing quarterback that much longer I mean, he'd be a position switch type guy. I mean, for, you know, the athletic quarterbacks that might need to make some things happen, that might need to be athletic and create a bit with their legs. I mean, you'd like to see him under like five, you know, get to that four, eight range. You're probably going to be okay with it. But if your quarterback is going to be running 40 yards at a stretch, you need to rethink how you're handling the offense or the protections or something about what's going down, okay? You might be the, you might be the Buffalo Bills. You might be the yeah, Buffalo Bills. That's a problem. Bills. So, you know, what you really want – I mean, if you want to like focus on an area of the 40 – that first 10-yard split because yeah. that's going to show if he could get to the edge or not, right? You know, if he's yeah. got the ability to sort of turn the corner and at least get you like five, six yards and then duck out of bounds or something like that. So, you're turning like what might have been third and eight into third and two. Like that's the kind of stuff that matters over the course of a game, a season, a career, and so focus sort of on that area. It's the how they play the position. Like Dwayne Haskins, he could run it at five flat. He could run it at ten flat. I don't care, like because yeah. that's not his game. Like the way he's going to have to be effective in the NFL is Rosen-esque, Brady-esque, not outrun it anybody, but. Moving around in the pocket for a guy like Jones, you know, seeing his ability to sort of get to the edge and get you some yardage and escape from time to time, that might matter a little bit more. But if he comes out and runs a four or five, I'm not losing my mind. Except to say, maybe we should move him to tight end. Which some people said about Josh Allen. All uh, right. Jeff frisden called him tight end four. I think.
1: <laughs> well, he's, I mean, he was wrong. He's a running back. I mean, at the very least, he's a yeah, back. I mean. Yeah. So when we come back here on the QB Sco show, we're going to talk about on-field drills and what they mean, what to look for, and what Dwayne Haskins can do to elevate his stock back here on Bleeding Green Nation in just a second. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we are back here on the QB Sco Show, brought to you by Bleeding Green Nation and SB Nation. Mark. As far as what we're going to see on the television for these quarterbacks, when you watch the on-field drills and you're seeing these guys drop back, some of whom have never taken an under-center snap or do it very rarely in college, what are you looking for from a technique standpoint? Uh, Who do you expect to show well on the field in Indy? I mean, I, I,
0: I do want to see some of the footwork stuff. I want to see how comfortable, how fluid, how well they move, you know, simulating that, you know, extraction from center and things like that, moving around a little bit in the pocket and things like that. You know, I want to see if they're on the balls of their feet, the quick steps, the short steps and stuff like those moments, those set and reset instances where they might get asked to sort of move, reset and throw. I want to see not perfection, but I want to see development from some of these guys like a Drew Locke let's take him for example we talked about him a bit and his footwork was kind of a mess at Missouri yeah. I mean he's making you know fadeaway throws on nine routes he doesn't seem settled at all sometimes he never even moves his feet it seemed like a work in progress like he was Trended in the right direction, down in Mobile. So I want to see him continue that path, continue that sort of, you know, growth and development. You know, for some of the more refined passers, your Ryan Finley's, your Brett Rippins, like I want to see is the footwork still crisp? Are the mechanics still clean? You know, there are some guys like Dwayne Haskins that need to show a lot of growth in that area. I want to see, similar to what we were talking about with Locke, them trended in the right direction. You're not getting sort of a finished product with most of these guys. They're going to need some work. And so I want to see that that process has begun. Thankfully, we don't have a situation with – I don't think too many of these guys where you have sort of the Blake Bortles, Tim Tebow situation where the mechanics are just completely a mess and it might be a tear down and rebuild situation. You're trying to move them you know, into you know a piece of modern artillery from a treble trebuchet. There's a long way to go for Blake Bortles and as we can see – He never became the modern artillery. He was stuck in that, you know, when you get to that end of civilization and there's still like that one civilization that, you know, you've got jets and stuff like that, and they're still coming at you with treble shades and catapults, and you're like, Blake, you know, come on, man, get with the times. You know, (laughs) it's kind of the Blake Bordo situation. And so you want to see growth from these guys. The ball placement and stuff like that, it matters to an extent. They're going to be throwing to new guys, they're going to be throwing to guys they haven't thrown with before. And so you will see some passes. Missed and things like that. So it's going to be hard to sit there and sort of say, oh, well, he missed this throw. Well, maybe he didn't, you know? And so the placement and stuff doesn't matter, but I do want to see the ball come out of their hands. Of course, we all know what's coming two weeks from now is radar gun day. And if you thought hand-sized Twitter day was bad, Woo! radar gun day is worse, man. I mean, I remember where I was in my house, in my kitchen, leaning against the oven when the Deshaun Watson 49 miles per hour dropped. <laughs> and it was like World War III had just started on the timeline. I mean, forget Goff versus Wentz. You know, that was a full-on like battle of the Blackwater type moment where yeah, that was a day. you knew where you were when that happened. Yeah, and so that, that day is coming and there is going to be – now, all of these quarterbacks to say for, I'd say, Jake Brownen, all of the guys that are going to be there, I don't have concerns from an arm talent perspective on film because I think they all sort of check those boxes. They seem to meet the threshold. But we know one or a couple of them are going to come in sub 56, which people seem to want to see, sub 52, and it's going to cause another week or two of discussion. And you can just imagine the aftermath of the overreactions we're seeing right now. If out of nowhere, Kyler Murray, who again, I preface it by saying this, I have no velocity concerns with him. There are right. times when he needs to dial it up that he does have a little bit of a dip and loop. Okay, that's fine. It works for him. If he comes in at like a 49, like Deshaun, everybody's going to go crazy and then overreact in the other direction. Oh, you can't draft a quarterback that can't even hit 50 on the, on the radar gun first overall. You know, He's going to slide to the third round now. You can't yeah. draft an undersized quarterback with no velocity. As with all of these things, this is a big windup to just say this. When you see things at the combod, whether it's measurements, drills, whatever, take the information as a data point. And go back to the film and rewatch it because if a quarterback comes in with a low number on the gun, go back. Does he have issues with velocity? Are there windows that he cannot hit? Are there throws that he has to put much more touch on than other guys in this class? And maybe that's the case. If so, it might get to a scheme limitation situation. It's not a full-on bar to play in the position. Same thing with height, hand size, 40, whatever. You get these data points in, you go back to the film, and then you refine a little bit. And so maybe a quarterback you thought was pretty scheme diverse, like let's take Brett Ripon, a guy I like. I think he's scheme yeah. diverse. But if he comes in and doesn't hit a good number on the gun, you go back and maybe you see instances like on some throws where he has to put a little bit more air under them and you'd say, okay- Maybe he's not a scheme diverse quarterback. Maybe it's more limited to West Coast, Air Raid, Aaron Perkins type of system. Bruce Arians hasn't drafted him. And so that's what we should all be doing with all of this stuff. It's so much easier to put out you type in Kyler Murray, five ten makes him number one overall send tweet and just bask in the glow. It's easy for all of us to do that. It's much more harder and much more nuanced to sort of take in those data points and sort of refine the evaluation and then make a full on determination on this player. But that's what the teams are doing so if we're trying to do it right that's what we should be doing here oh the ebbs and flows of draft
1: season oh is... it's so much fun it's incredible it's so much fun oh no we could go certain people didn't have a single first-round grade on these quarterbacks, and now everyone's Now we've got five.
0: Now we've got five. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just I just saw a mock that I had four. Court. We're, we're getting closer to the proverbial five quarterbacks in the first round that we saw last year. I mean, by the end of this, we're going to be talking about, look, you know, I mean, Jake Brown ran a pro-style offense and did some stuff from under center. so Kill me. <laughs> yeah.
1: There we are. So speaking of the ebbs and flows, last question for you, Mark. What can Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State do at the Combine to stave off the now unstoppable train, the hype train that is Kyler Murray's
0: hype? Unfortunately for Haskins, I'm not sure there's anything he can do at the Combine to sort of stave that off. Because the biggest area of concern that I and others and most people seem to have with him is how he handles pressure. Right, It's hard to sort of demonstrate and simulate that in a controlled environment as the combine. It's pro day. He can sit down at the whiteboard and say, look, these are the things that you got to do protection-wise and this is how I'm going to have to do it. He can look, Dave, get him in the eye and say, I know I've got to emulate my game after a Tom Brady and a Josh Rosen and use my feet to create space. But until he takes his first drop in a preseason game and faces a blitz, you're not going to know if he's getting better in that area. Now – From what I've seen from him on film, I think he's trending generally in the right direction. You see him learn over the course of a season, sometimes in the course of a game, his game against Penn State, that he's trending in the right direction, but I'm not so sure. And if you're sort of wavering on Haskins right now, I would invite you to go back and watch Penn State. I would invite you to go back and watch Purdue. Yeah, he throws it 73 times against Purdue. It's going to take you a day or two to get through that behemoth. But those were games where he got tested. That Penn State game, I was watching it live. I've watched that game probably six times by now. I was watching it live. By halftime, I thought they were going to pull him. That's how bad he was early in that game. They didn't. He won. And in the second half, you see him start to climb the pocket, start to handle the pressure a little bit better. I always make a point of it, and I kind of want to close with this. We talked in the beginning about hand size and weather and things like that. There are four games that I always want to make sure to watch. I want to make sure I watch a home game and a road game. Number one, I want to watch a weather game and I want to watch a Mm. loss Mm. because I want to see these quarterbacks handle adversity. And this comes from my own misgivings and failures as a quarterback. But when you get tested, when you get those moments where you start to wonder, are they going to pull me? That's when you find out who you are as a quarterback, as a player, as a person, as an athlete. And for Haskins, that game against Penn State where I thought legitimately Urban Meyer was going to have to go to the bullpen. Yeah. To see him then come back and win, that tells me a lot about who he is. To see him against Purdue, a game they were down by two scores in a lot, a little bit of snow cold, you know, wasn't the best conditions. He's out there in the fourth quarter making adjustments on a fourth and eight, sliding the protection, heading in there, taking a shot on a fourth and eight to throw a band-aid post route against the cover zero look for a touchdown late in the fourth quarter of that game. That told me like similar to that Penn State game about who he is as a quarterback. And so unfortunately for him, he's not going to be able to replicate those moments in Indianapolis. But I think what he needs to do is just tell people that, look – I know where I'm I'm trending in the right direction. I know I need to work on this. Go back at the film. You see me working on it. That's probably the best you could do because you're not going to get, you know, John Gruden with some pool noodles chasing him down trying to simulate pressure at Indianapolis. You just so stole much, my bit. <laughs> I, I I know, but maybe they should do that. Maybe they should just let, you know, get Gruden I mean. all hopped up on some sugar and some Coronas and just get, <laughs> let him loose out there. Let me learn more about this quarterback than anything else, I think. But but that's it for Haskins. I mean, that's his issue. And we've talked about this offline with our good friends Bryce and Bryce Rossler, Nick Folletto, and Joey Ferriol about you know QB one versus QB two, Murray and Haskins. And I don't want to rehash that battle right now because <laughs> right. it'd be like you know the <laughs> tournament where suddenly everything gets thrown into chaos again that we started this the show flaming with, sword. you know, <laughs> like Azar Azar with the flame sword. You're right, but that's going to be the issue with Haskins. Can he handle pressure? He can't answer that. I think full on in Indy. You know, but that's going to be the thing that makes or breaks his career. You totally, you totally took my bit because so I was going to go with the pool noodle route. That's that's a perfect simulation for pressure. That's why this show works. Yeah, I mean, what simulates you know having the Joey Bosa of the world come after you more than a five foot ten inch man that's chasing you with a pink pool noodle? He's so intense. I'm hard pressed to find a better substitute.
1: I can't think of one. We'll try to think of one on the break between this show and the next show, and we'll we'll see what we come up with. Some more pressure pack situations we can put these quarterbacks in so they can prove themselves you will
0: know be a pressure pack situation for some of these guys sit down mm. across from george rr R. martin and tell him to finish the books
1: yeah get an explanation yeah. get an explanation if one this, of these
0: guys does that awesome. immediately quarterback one i don't even care if it's jake Browning. if jake Browning gets george rr R. R. to finish the books faster he's quarterback one in my mind it'll be the one thing marcus mariota can finally do
1: to prove <laughs> that he is a leader <laughs> <laughs> so that is gonna do it for the qb sco show number 15 here on bleeding green nation uh up next this week we'll have bgn radio coming up with john stolness and brandon lee Galton. guys we are so close so close to 800 reviews on Apple Podcasts. Make sure that you, if you haven't done that yet, go ahead and get in those five-star ratings. Only five-star ratings are accepted because we, uh, it hurts our ego when, when that doesn't happen. So please go ahead and do that. This has been the QB Scow Show number 15. Thank you for listening.